Hi there, my name is Danny, and thanks for tuning in to this sermon by Root and Branch Church. It's September here in Chicago, and it is clearly a season of transitions. The weather's getting cooler, the sun is setting sooner, and the pace of life is changing from that busy hum of summer to those little whispers of autumn. And if there are transitions happening in our planet, in the world at large, well, there's also some transitions up ahead for this community. There's some big things, such as next Sunday being the first Sunday where Pastor Tim will be back from his sabbatical. And also, as most of you know, this is my last Sunday at Root and Branch. Now, there are also some transitions that we can look back on, and some transitions in progress, like a volunteer system that we've just built and rolled out. We have now a kids area at All Together Church on Sunday, and we also have begun the practice of a coffee hour before the services to get to know each other better and build a stronger community. So a lot of transitions, and we're lucky then, because transition is, in a lot of ways, one of the things that this faith is constantly preparing us for. Consider the Easter story which is in many ways a story about one particular transition that defied all expectations, a transition from death to life. And we don't have to stick to the Bible to see Christianity's witness on transition. Consider Martin Luther King, who ushered in a transition of a more free and fair America from one where there was a lot of discrimination to one where discrimination was illegal at least on paper. Now, I've shared with you these two stories, but transition isn't the only common element. There's another one, and it's the fact that they were hard. Blood, sweat, and tears were shed for these transitions. Christ's resurrection and the Civil Rights Act of 1964 were moments of effort, work, time, energy. And it's our joy to know that the same spirit that was at work in the world when those things happened is still at work today. And if we listen closely, we can join in that steady march towards God's kingdom. And so this sermon, which is my parting words to this community today, is an invitation, an invitation to continue the work that's already happening here. Over the last few months, so many of you have stepped up to exercise that God-given agency that we all have to usher in the next stage of this community's life. And what I invite you to do is to continue, to continue that life-giving and world-changing work of community. Now, perhaps that word work is triggering something in you, and that would be fair especially in light of things like the great resignation that are happening in the world, it's very fair to be skeptical of someone calling you to do more work. But I want to suggest to you today that work is one of the fundamental things we are here to do as human beings. Theologian M. Douglas Meeks has a really great reframing of the idea of work that I want to share with you all. We tend to think of work as gainful employment or paid labor, you know, those things that we do to earn our daily bread. 
Meeks says something different. Work, he says, is the power to answer, with effort, God's call to be God's economist in God's household. Now, let's turn to the Bible to see what it has to say about work. Today's scripture that we're reading from is Genesis 2, 1-8, and Genesis 2, 15. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. On the sixth day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it, God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth and no vegetation of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground, a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed in the garden. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till and keep it. The word of God for the people of God. Many of us have been taught from the Genesis story that the work we do in our lives is a punishment. That because Adam and Eve fell from grace, we, as their descendants, are now destined to work. But what we saw in today's scripture is actually the opposite. God assigned humanity work to do from the very beginning, way before they had a fall. Verse 15 says it explicitly, God asked them to till it and keep it. And to me, that sounds like a really joyful kind of work, like partnering with God in the joyful work of stewardship, of God's household or God's kingdom, you might call it. And that's what Meek is talking about when he's talking about work. Now, let's contrast that with another word, toil. When Adam and Eve were punished and cast out of the garden, in the next chapter of Genesis, they were punished with toil, with the need to labor in order to survive. So toil being this work that is not life-giving, the work that is life-draining. And God even uses that word themselves. In chapter 3, God says, quote, Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all days of your life. So what I want to suggest is that from the beginning of humanity, our call has been to work, to do good work, to be stewards, caretakers. And the work that we do now is actually more something like toil, life-draining work that we do in order to just make sure that we survive. Going back to Meek's definition for a second, he talks about being an economist, God's economist, and I want to offer some reflections on that word, which actually comes from the ancient Greek, economia. Now, you've probably seen a yogurt brand, I think a Greek yogurt, it's delicious actually, called Oikos, and unfortunately I have bad news. 
You've been pronouncing it wrong your whole life. It's actually pronounced ikosh, and it means home or household in Greek. So ikosh being the same root that we have in words like ecology and economics. So going back to ekonomia, the suffix nomia or nomosh, which really refers to managing or stewarding. So together, ekonomia, it's being a steward or manager of your home or household. Now, does that sound like the economics that we practice today? The economics of supply and demand, of pricing and value optimization and diminishing returns? Or does it sound more like the really real, taking care of what has been given to us to care for? Economics is about that, is about caretaking. And all of this is nice in theory, of course, but in practice it gets messy, especially in our always connected, fragmented, and super busy world. It's exhausting to come home from a day of toil just to find that your home is a mess. It is not exactly life-giving work to come home and clean and cook. The truth is that we're tired, and how can we be expected to answer God's call to do good work when our lives are spent toiling? And it's driving us to burnout. Anyone who works for a living can relate to that, and people in ministry are no different. I had a personal experience navigating this boundary between work and toil in my time here at Root and Branch, and I want to share about one specific experience I had, which was when I accompanied Pastor Virginia and Dorian and Sarah to do a shift at jail support. Now, it was a late afternoon shift in the middle of August, and the truth is that I really did want to go. But there were two reasons that I wanted to go, and let's say one of them was healthy and the other not so much. So the first one is really, I wanted to go out of a place of deep conviction. This is important work to do. This is what Jesus would do. This is what I feel called to do. But there was this second reason. It was guilt, that constant flow of shoulds that I have in my mind. I should be a good Christian. I should love my neighbor. I should be spending my free time doing service work. And the shoulds were not matching up with what I really wanted, which was to stay home and play video games. Well, I steeled myself. I said, we're going to do it. Let's go. So we're on our way there. I'm in the back seat of Virginia's car. I've got my iced coffee. And I'm giving myself a pep talk. Sanchez, we can do this. It's just a few hours. And then we'll come back home and we'll rest. So we get there. And it is so hot. The sun is bearing down on us. I am not comfortable. And frankly, I feel uneasy being in front of a jail on the south side. If I could describe my feelings of being there in one word, it would be ambivalent. Neither hot nor cold. Neither happy nor sad. But in the end, it turns out, actually, that this is one of my favorite experiences in my entire time at Root and Branch. Why is that? Well, let me tell you what happened first. We were there, we set up our table, 
with some uh, vital supplies that people being released from jail need. And one of the young guys who's just released comes up, barely in his mid-twenties. He was unsure how he was going to get home, and he had three kids and their mom waiting for him. We just kind of talked. We talked about Al Capone and his alleged network of underground tunnels. We talked about the food at the jail, which to maybe no surprise, sounds like it was not very good. And he also shared some thoughts on how he was going to keep his parole officer happy. I helped out a little bit, I let him make a few calls from my phone, and I helped him figure out the bus situation when his ride never showed up. Now, later that night, when I got home from this jail support shift, I had been preparing myself to be exhausted, to sit down and melt on my couch. But the truth is that I wasn't exhausted. Actually, it was kind of the opposite. I was, I was fired up. I felt alive. I felt rested. I felt at ease. A lot of you might know that I sometimes walk around and I am a wound up bundle of nerves. But in that moment, I felt liberated from that. And it wasn't until I was writing this sermon and thinking back to that moment that I can put words to that feeling, that warm glow, that fuzzy feeling, that electricity that you feel after you've done something good, something to steward the community or world around you. And it can be really easy to diminish that feeling. Your self-talk might tell you, oh, that's just your savior complex, or oh, that's just your ego. But let me offer a reframe. It's not that that is your ego. It's not that that is your savior complex. It is the feeling of being close to God, who is our salvation, who is our ego. Now, I know I'm no savior, but I know that that day I felt God's transformative power to take me out of death and into life as God does for us every day of our lives. Because the truth is that by this time, I had let my work at this church become toil. It was not giving me life, it was draining me of life. But when I steeled myself and said yes to the work of community stewardship, to the work that I heard God calling me into, I did it and I felt transformed. If I felt alive and rested after that experience, it's because in that moment, doing that work, I had tapped into the God-given power that we all have to be an agent of change for the flourishing of the world. Yes, it was extra hours, but I came home knowing and feeling like my cup had been filled. Now, this is not to say that you should all go and do jail support because it's good for you and it makes you feel good. Though that is true, and if you haven't done a jail support shift, I really recommend it. It is really going to uh, have a transformative effect on your life and on the community around us. What I want to suggest to you, though, is that doing good work the kind that fills our cups, the kind that brings flourishing to the world, that ushers in 
some of this faith's greatest gifts. Transitions, transformations, transcendence. Those are the gifts of this faith. To be a new way of being, to have a renewed inner life, to have, however brief, the ability to connect with God. But those things don't always come to us. Sometimes we have to say yes to the call. Sometimes we have to go out and seek it. Sometimes it means we have work to do. Now, all summer we have been contemplating this strange idea of God's kingdom, or kingdom if you prefer, and we have asked a million questions. When will it come? Is it within us or beyond us? What will it look like? How do I know? And in true Root and Branch style, I will not offer you an answer to any of those questions. Instead, I'm going to add another one. What is your plan to live into the call to be God's economist in God's household? And that might take you immediately to things like recycling or volunteering, and those are really great things. But I want to be more precise here. My question is more, what is the good and life-giving work that you have to offer this community right here? Because the truth is that this is not Pastor Tim's church. This is not Pastor Virginia's church. This is God's church. And by the spark of the divine that is in all of you, it is your church. The God of creation and the God of what comes next is calling, has called us, will continue to call us to this place. And she has given us an abundance of gifts and resources and skills to make this community a place for flourishing for one and all. So let's put on that God's economist hat for a second and let's ask some questions. What resources do you have as an individual? What about as a community? What resources are missing? What processes or systems are missing? How might you offer your gifts and skills to continue some of the important work that we've begun here, such as vision casting and mission setting, defining who we are and what it is that we're here to do? Maybe big picture stuff isn't your cup of tea. Okay, here's another one. How might you step up, step up and step into the regular maintenance work that keeps this church running? Volunteering, a coffee hour, setup. And a third set of questions, if maybe this has become more toil than work. In that case, how are you going to raise your hand and ask for help? What is your plan to step down? and create a space for someone else to step in so that this can be a place of flourishing for yourself as much as for the people around you. You see, from the beginning, we have carried the divine image. It's what makes us human. We have been blessed with God's imprint so that we can be a blessing 
to the world. And in this time of transitions, of transformations, of brushes with transcendence, there is nothing but opportunity ahead for this community. Because we know a God who made a way out of no way. And this church has so many different ways it can go. But you will need to come together. You will need to choose a way. And you will need to get to work blazing that trail. And so on that journey, off you go. And I bless you. I bless your gifts. I bless your skills. And I send you to do the work to be the community that God has made you to be. Amen.